it's it is quite a um it's it's in front of you and it makes you nervous but it shouldn't because it's just us it's just us here and anything we say can be edited to sound beautiful great and it's fine do you wish real life worked like that like you could say something and then walk away and go rewind yeah I was like that wasn't as clever and as funny as I would have liked it to be so I'm just going to do an edit yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um, so what I like to do at the top of our podcast is ask you to say who you are so if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself tell the people (laughs) okay Um, I am Morna Young I'm a playwright I'm I always say that and then I'm like when people say tell you about like talk about yourself and I go that's all I say is like my name and then what I do so I'm trying to fight back against that and be like I am more than just my job <laughs> would you yes, have a fun fact about yourself <laughs> <laughs> something something interesting and non-playwright related that non-playwright the world related. would be surprised to know or learn about you uh Total silence. <laughs> okay, when we came to see uh, Doc Tamson's Bairns, oh, yes. the Thank mic you. got handed to Alex, and he had to say a fun fact about me, and he said, uh, she got dumped by Rod Stewart. So he did, and I made a mental note at the time to pursue that, to find out if that yeah. was just Alex being silly or not. No, no, <laughs> I, I was genuinely meant to go on tour this year. <gasps> really? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh out God. of nowhere, like, I got, you know, I, the call came in being like, yeah, they'd see me in Celtic the Musical, and would I go on tour, because they wanted a, a vocalist fiddler. Oh, my God. Like, out of nowhere, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually doing this. <laughs> um, and then just when I started to tell people, I got the phone call going, oh, no, actually, you're not going to be doing this. Oh, no. Dumped. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> it is harsh, right? He is, he's fickle. Mm. Is our rod. That's, yeah. Did they say why? Just so they said something about using like folk who were already on his payroll. Oh, okay. Mm. But yeah. does this in fact mean that he saw you in Celtic the Musical? No, not him. Somebody else. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Oh, that is that, that. That was like that was quite a roller coaster in a short period of time. I got so yeah. excited and <laughs> so yeah. heartbroken for you in like less than thirty seconds. <laughs> Wait, oh. It was so silly because all the way through, I was sharing a dressing room with uh, Julie Duncanson. Mm. Uh, so Julie Duncanson was saying during, uh, like during uh, the first week or so, we we're starting to get in like celeb Celtic fans. So she was going, uh, you know, I wish Rod would come and say this. Like you'd totally be the type he has in his band. He also has like Celtic looking women, you know, fiddlers, all that. Uh, so before we were going on stage most nights, like she would go, Mona, I want Mona. <laughs> So I kind of feel like Julie just wished this into the universe and then it kind of happened. I got the offer and then it was taken away. Dumped by Rod Stewart. The life of an artist. <laughs> That's, yeah, that is pretty devastating. Aye. Uh, oh well, what are you well, going to do? Next, yeah. I'm here with you. Yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> on Rod. Yeah, if you'd gone on tour, <laughs> would you be touring now? Uh, no, actually, it would have been May, July. Oh, okay. May, I missed a month there. May, June, July. <laughs> ah. I said I've been writing, right? Yeah, I don't get out very often and then I have to talk words. <laughs> so you've been writing at the moment. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what you've been writing? Uh, yeah, so I've been working on the final rehearsal draft for Lost at Sea, which starts rehearsals really soon on the 25th of March. Ah, That's quite a big project for you, isn't it? Because it's quite personal, isn't it? Yeah. Would you be up for talking a wee bit about the journey of that and... Yeah. Would that be all right? Yeah, it's interesting because I think I've had to kind of talk myself 
around into learning how to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I suppose in that way, like when I was when I was a kid and folk say, because everyone just presumes like you've got, you know, two parents, they're both alive. So I'd always have to say, oh, my dad was lost at sea. And I always used to really struggle to say those words. Mm -hmm. um, or the response that came after those words, because people obviously like they look, they look at you and kind of go, I'm so sorry. And then you apologise because you put them in a comfortable position and... Hi. It um, becomes a whole awkward yeah. thing. Yeah, and you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> sort of this. Um, I, so it's taken me a really long time to kind of go, OK, yes, I can, I can talk about this. Um, but yeah, I started the project uh, ages ago. It was in 2011. Um, I'd wow. been... Long time ago. Yeah. Um, I'd been living down in London and kind of a lot of things had come to an end. I had a big theatre contract that had finished and then I was in a relationship that finished <laughs> and uh, my house contract then finished. So suddenly it was a bit like, whoosh, the life you know is gone. Mm. And I was like, oh, like, what, what, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of cutting to it. There was obviously a period between that over being just a bit lost and on job seekers and like, you know, going, what am I going to do? Mm. But kind of coming to the realisation over... And actually, the one thing that I really want to do that I have never really, I think, confronted in my life is I want to know who my dad was and I want to, to write something in tribute to him. Um, so I moved back to my fishing village um, and didn't really know where to start because I'd never written a play before. So I think lots of my pals were like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're leaving. Just yeah. leaving to do this thing you've never done. Like, Which in and of itself is... A terrifying step, isn't it? Aye. Just like, you yeah. Just, you build a community and you build a thing. Yeah. And then... But I can't... But at that point, like, in the scariest way possible, I... Like, I didn't have anything to lose. Like, mm. I... I'd kind of lost everything that that formed what my life was. Right. Um, and I... So, it really was a chance to go, you know... To have, like, people always say that, like, we, we talk about doors closing and other doors opening. And sometimes I think, like, when you really hit a rock-bottom point, you mm. it is a chance to kind of go, right, what am I going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do now? Hit uh -huh. the reset button. Yep. Um, I, so I moved home, um, back to my wee fishing village, and started work on this play and I was very lucky because Creative Scotland gave me a wee bit of funding to go do some research and development which was my lifeline to be able to do yeah. this. I um, started doing lots of interviews. Um, I'd previously trained as a journalist ah. so that for me was kind of it was a step that made sense to kind of go okay I'm, I'm going to research this. You mm. start by interviewing people. Um, skip forward wrote the play. We did a rehearsed reading in 2013 um, and I was very lucky with that one because Muriel Romanis directed it. Mm -hmm. um, and Muriel just happened to meet her as an actor. You know, you send off your emails that are like, hi, I'm a big fan. <laughs> like, any chance you'd meet me at some point? And Muriel said yes. Um, and she'd asked me in that meeting if I'd ever written anything. And I was like, well, funnily enough, I'm just, you know, about to start this process. Uh, and she just kind of went, that sounds great. I like you, so anything I can do to help. And that's all, do you know, like, and I think that, that for me was just like, it was such a stamp in terms of going, someone believes in you, that mm -hmm. you can do this. And yeah, she, so she mentored me during the writing and then she directed the rehearsed reading. And she is absolute 
heroin, you know, like, aye. That's amazing. Huge respect for Muriel. Um, and it's just, that's so often the way it goes, isn't it? You just take a chance and email someone and yeah, just, and then you, re you realise it's a human at the end of the line and you had no reason to be scared and you just have yeah. a bit of banter and then something good happens. Yeah, and sometimes it is just like one person going, I believe in you, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that makes you go, okay, maybe I can believe in myself if you do as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can do this. Um, aye, so did the rehearsed reading and... It went really, really well. Amazing, like, amazing <laughs> you lighting. You look so like, you've got a look on your face that says I'm really shocked about that I, or something. Well, <laughs> I, well, I was petrified because, of course, like, I was like, there's every chance I could get this so wrong. I'm, like, mm. trying to write something that was in tribute to my dad, but also to, there's been so many fishermen and boats lost, you know, from the northeast, but all around Scotland. Mm -hmm. There is so much scope for, you know, getting that really, really wrong. Um... So I was petrified, absolutely petrified. Um, and yeah, this hall in Lossiemouth, and it was like 250 capacity seater, and the hall was just bursting. They started doing like pound standing tickets. Wow. And like, just like, the hall was full of like fishermen and like, like loads of folk who'd never been to the theatre before, let alone like at a hearse read in. And yeah. uh, I did a bar that was like, you know, went, <laughs> I went to like Asda and bought loads of wine and yeah. uh, beer and everything. It was like a pound to drink and just like, <laughs> it's this great, amazing, uh, amazing night. Um, and I suppose on the other side of that, folk started to, for somebody to like, started calling me a playwright. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to write a play. God, I'm, now I'm gonna have to learn. Ah. And what does what does that look like? How do you learn to be a playwright? That's a really good question. If I figure <laughs> that out one day, then I'll let you know. Um, I suppose I was also really fortunate because I got selected around about that time for Playwright Studio mm. mentoring, and they were really delighted to find someone who wasn't from like Glasgow or Edinburgh. You're right. Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so originally when I started the mentoring with them, I was coming down to I'd get the train down to Glasgow, do the mentoring session. Um, so you were still at home in your village at that point? Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, and and then after the year after doing the mentoring, I got the New Playwrights Award, which I really didn't expect, but it was just kind of a, yeah, one year from the other. And it was pretty much because of Playwrights Studio that I decided to move to Glasgow. Right. I, didn't, I didn't know anybody here. Um, apart from Dave Rankin. <laughs> Just Dave. That's it. <laughs> He's from Elgin as well. Oh. <laughs> um, I, but because I played out studio and that connection, I, I was trying to decide what to, what to do next. And there was yeah. a part of me I always wondered if I would go back to London. Mm -hmm. And I really quickly realised that I couldn't sustain any kind of theatre career back in my village. Right, yeah. Like, I, that was going to be impossible. Um, I so I moved to Glasgow after that, knowing my one pal. <laughs> Your one pal. Well, sometimes that's all you need. Uh, just one pal. Yep. And then that pal will introduce you to their pals. Exactly. And then so on and so forth. Yep. And Glasgow's after friendly. Oh, you know. I know. It's like it's not hard to build yourself a wee community here. Yeah. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. And I think it's really important um, community. Um, and I was wondering actually to cycle back, I'm kind of re reverse engineering this a little bit and as to cycle back. So when you were in London, mm -hmm. uh, you were an actor, primarily. Yes. 
And, um, and a professional temp. And a professional temp. So I think that's what I'm, I'm getting at, because it would be good to talk about your time then, because you mentioned, um, you know, there was a period where you were on job seekers and stuff like that. And I, I've been thinking a lot about that recently because there's been mm -hmm. a bit of a social media thing around talking about being open and transparent mm -hmm. about the fact that so many artists have day jobs. They have multiple yeah. day jobs sometimes, and it's really, really hard mm -hmm. to sustain sometimes. And also we're kind of conditioned to not talk about it because yeah. it, you might get tired with the, yeah. oh, well, you're not a real artist brush if you're having yeah, to yeah. do other things. Yeah. So would you be up for talking a wee bit about your experience yeah. hustling and what that was like? And Hustling. <laughs> There's a word. I don't, I don't know if I've ever been very good at the hustling. And I think this is, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about recently. And uh, we were talking a wee bit earlier about class and your background. And, mm -hmm. and I think for me, I've, like, I've always been a bit of a nervous person going into spaces that I don't feel like I belong in. Mm -hmm. And that's, that a lot of the time is kind of, Theatre space. I mean, obviously, I'm not. You know, like I'm, I, I'm further ahead now than I than I was. But I still have this walking oh, yeah. into some buildings that I'm like, I don't really belong here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't know how to act. <laughs> like, or like a posh pub. It, like, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so, like going to drama school for me in the, in the first instance, and I, when I first got in, I didn't think I was going to be able to go because of the the fees and everything. And I was really fortunate because it was a fisherman's charity that stepped in and paid the fees for me. And another fisherman's charity gave me a wee bit of subsistence per month. Right. Um, Sorry, it was, did you go to drama school in London? In or? London. Yeah, yeah. I, yep. Um, and I worked as well. Uh, I worked in a restaurant and in a pub and everything else. Um, but yeah, that kind of walking into the London drama school world. I'd never been to London before either, just oh, to, wow. so, so like really like, you know, proper tutor going like, oh, I don't know how the escalators work. Oh, I don't know how to. Um, and also being like quite Doric as well, you know, mm. <laughs> Northeast Scots folk going, uh, do you speak English? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so the whole, so that whole world for me was really like, you know, a, a bit of a, like, wide eyes and I, I spent that entire time I think at drama school going I don't know why I'm doing this I don't mm. think I really belong in this world and I can't really afford to hang out with my pals because they always <laughs> want to go to that wine bar and that's like actually more for a glass of wine per hour than I'm earning yes. so you know just can't do it um I so it's been like that journey for me over going down to London in the first place and everything that that went along with that was uh, was huge and eye-opening and, and I always felt like I was a few kind of steps behind going, oh, I'm going yeah. oh, to understand this and um, what's this amazing food that everyone's eating? Oh, it's hummus, right? <laughs> what, what, how do you make that? Like, there's so, so many oddities with, with what I knew and what I didn't know and everyone else that I was in that world with. Mm -hmm. um, I know I'm absolutely uh, dancing around because no, I'm no. like, I can't actually remember your original question, <laughs> which it was about. It was just talking, yeah, just giving, getting your thoughts on that because I feel like, I think it's getting a wee bit better now that we're having a wee bit more of a, everything in our industry, mm -hmm. and by industry I mean theatre and film and all of that jazz. Um, everything about what's unfair about it or creates mm -hmm. obstacles for people, we're getting a, I think we're getting better now at calling these things out and being transparent yeah. about the fact that they happen. 
because obviously persistent and nasty is about women being marginalised in mm-hmm. these industries, but we obviously want to talk a lot about where things intersect, mm-hmm. uh, class, yeah. um, ethnicity, all of these things, and and they all they all just kind of work together and create a, a nasty, complex tapestry yeah. of barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm 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 just interested to talk about, to people about their experiences with that because I feel like I feel like when we we talk about it more, people feel less isolated. Because, mm-hmm. like, you you know, when I bet it was difficult to say to your pals in London, I, I can't afford the glass of Pinot Grigio, I, mean, I can't come. Yeah. Because uh, then you just feel, you feel like an outsider and mm-hmm. it's it's hard. You know, I was, I was talking to somebody about this the other day saying, um, I remember a, a pal of mine um, that suddenly I, I felt like I wasn't being invited to, as many things so other folk in that group kind of being like you know oh they all did this and me kind of finally talking to that pal and saying like you know have I have I done something wrong and she said oh no it's just that like whenever whenever we're going somewhere I know that you can never afford to come so I thought it was easier not to invite you (laughs) and (laughs) you know (laughs) Um, oh god that's just the most well-meaning kick in the gut. I know, <laughs> like, I know, I know. But, it, I mean, like, also, then the process of trying to understand that as well, yeah. we're going, like, okay, was that just really embarrassing for her? Like, having yeah. a decent enough wage and always kind of being like, we're going out to this nice place. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's so complex and it's, yeah. you know... And nobody likes to talk about money. Like, no. You know, I... I, I use those words now, working class woman, mm-hmm. and I try to use them as often as I as I can. But that's been a long journey for me again because I like because you don't want to be different and you don't want to you know you don't want to be the person there in a in a room kind of going like oh I don't I don't know what this is yeah I'm like you know everyone else here has been at stage schools entire life or whatever. Um, and it is only more recently, and I suppose everyone has their own uh, political journey, as it were, mm. that I started to kind of go, oh, like, I actually need to be more visible, I think, with using those words. And that's not that's not so much about me. That's much more about a wider industry conversation and yeah. going, if you can't see folk being represented in the industry, then what have we got to, to aim for? Yeah. What, what have we got to, to aspire for? So, like, I, I do absolutely try to to put those words out there more now. Um, I don't know if it makes any difference, you know. I think it makes a huge difference because I think the minute somebody, particularly if you have a wee bit of a platform in any way, like Mm -hmm. what we're doing now, having a podcast that some people will listen to, you as a playwright that's getting interviewed by the papers every now and again, whatever it may Mm be, from from small to mid-scale to large, if you start saying these words on that platform, someone's going to see them yeah. and, and feel less alienated. Or, yeah. um, you know, the more people that hear your story, for example, who are living mm. in rural villages all over the UK, if they hear it, they might go, oh, mm-hmm. that, could, that could be me then. Why couldn't it be me? Because yeah. I think it's so easy, particularly if you're from a working class background or not afforded a lot of privilege for whatever reason, it's so easy to assume things like theatre and the arts or mm-hmm. film are so vastly out of the realm of possibility for you. Yeah. Um, so which is why I think it's really, really important to be repeating these things over and over yeah. again because that that way it'll, it'll, that message will be more likely to reach somebody who's yeah. sitting there thinking, oh, I'd quite like to write something, but 
that's not for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and specifically remember, because I wasn't, I'm from Murray, so there, there wasn't like a, a theatre theater there. So, you know, we had Eden Court uh, over on the Inverness side and then mm-hmm. His Majesty's over on the Aberdeen side and we're in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, my experience of theatre growing up would be... Um, I feel a bit sad saying this, um, like, but the Fisherman's Mission used to organise a bus to take us to the panto um, every year. Um, like, they're so, do you know, like, it's just so good. It's yeah. so good. Um, and they are fantastic, like, really fantastic. Uh, so, I they used to take us to panto uh, every Christmas. But, like, it was probably, like, it was later in school that I read Bold Girls. I mean, I bet you a lot of... Scottish students could say this. I read Bold Girls by Rona Monroe and Mary Queen of Scots got her head chopped off by Les Lockhead. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading those plays. I was a massive reader. That was a, you know, uh, I loved the library, I'm a huge reader. Um, but I got those two in school. And Bold Girls, I mean, even though it was set in Northern Ireland, being like, I know those women. Yeah. Like, I, I know them. And like, Cassie, we are grape, uh, grapefruit and like her diet mm-hmm. and like just everything about it. I was like, I know this world yeah. and like it's I, I find that so interesting still that I can like go back to that one play and because I think previously in my head I would have thought theatre meant panto or Shakespeare and my yeah. only experience of Shakespeare was reading Julius Caesar round the room one line each and oh God. wanting to poke your eyes out going I don't understand <laughs> what I don't know what this is um I yeah but yeah reading that and going ah the way they speak and it's Aye. that like shiver of excitement you get when you see something you either recognise yourself in or you feel seen by, mm-hmm. and you suddenly have that realisation where you're like, oh no, that that is speaking to me or for me or whatever it is. Yeah. That is that like is is a feeling. It's a feeling of excitement yeah. and it's a thrill. And so, and you know, we sit here as as white cis women who mm-hmm. are afforded some privilege. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of people who have less than that. Absolutely. So when, those people see themselves represented in a TV show mm-hmm. or in a play that I can't even imagine how, like, three, the, like yeah. three four times as exciting that that must be because yeah. it's, it's, it happens so little. Absolutely. Um, so, And what, yeah. you see, what you see, like, on screen, on the stage, is always going to be reflective of the writers, I think, mm-hmm. predominantly. Like, what, what's written on the page is, is, I think, your first step towards... A, a more diverse presence mm-hmm. like writers you write through the lines that you know so of co- like so of course for me I'm bringing everything to the table that's who I am so that is about being a woman it's about being white it's about being working class and that's all on the page through my lens yeah. really and you go well the minute we actually start broadening the commissioning pool away from you know straight white man then of course we're going to have more yeah. diversity because you like yeah. in the first instance most of us tend to write about the world we know yeah and yeah I think that's all you can do isn't it because you were talking about when you were talking about putting the rehearsed reading on of Lost at Sea mm-hmm. and you were terrified that it could go wrong in many ways it was never going to go wrong because you were writing mm-hmm. something truthful it was your story um, yeah. it had an authenticity to it that people clearly responded to mm-hmm. um and you say, you know, as you said, it was bursting, bursting that night. So there, there were people wanting to hear that story because they felt seen by it in some way. Yeah. And that's just like pure dead powerful. So it's. <laughs> so <laughs> it's <laughs> but then there's also like me talking about the Bow Girls moment over reading that. Like I, I totally go like, you know, if if some 
like Quine and wherever sees like knitting or lost at sea, like and just sees that voice that they go, ah, I know that, I yep. could do that. Like, I mean, that makes you go, oh, that's that's exciting. Yeah, you know, and yeah, and I feel like most like you're saying talking about widening the commission pool. The people giving out those commissions and the buildings that are programming, I feel like there's just this massive missing a trick. Like mm -hmm. you could distill that excitement by understanding that diverse programming will bring more people into your yeah. theatres or have pe more people putting on your plays or whatever it yeah. is. Because that if you we talk about this all the time on this podcast, like just reflect the uh, world around you, truthfully like, and authentically. And it yeah, I think I'm really simplistic about this. I go, I don't. I don't understand why that's difficult. <laughs> like I, I agree. I really, really don't. Mm -hmm. Because surely you just have to look at your program and go, oh, 10 white men. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know. Yes, I, I, that's, I don't that's think so you're being simplistic about like, it. I think it's, it's like, what, what, explain to me why that is difficult. I, 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 really, I really don't understand it. And I remember uh, after, when I first uh, moved to Glasgow and going to like every single like women's event, and there would always be a panellist and there would always be folk on the panel that have the ability to change the industry because they are gatekeepers of whatever mm. cultural organisation. Going, well, I don't know what we can do, but it is getting better. And you're always like, you do know what to do because you you literally have the power. Yeah. Change it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that baffles me sometimes that we all have to sit around scratching our heads going, what should we do? Yeah. And it's also frustrating to me because there's so many people like like standing up going do this like and it's mm -hmm. it's quite often the artists with the limited resources who are like doing the hustle are the ones like you and I sitting here talking about it right now it's like yeah. w why are we unpacking this <laughs> the time afforded to us when yeah. there are people with lovely healthy salaries that I could be doing it and it yeah it's very very frustrating and and baffling mm -hmm. um and you just keep on chipping away and chipping away and then occasionally you have to kind of stop and pause and breathe because you go this is exhausting mm -hmm. it really is exhausting sometimes like shouting out and calling out and feeling like you're just never ever heard mm -hmm. and then you kind of have to go okay regroup let's go again yeah because all, all we've ever got is hope and the fact that we can just keep trying <laughs> yeah. right absolutely but it shouldn't it shouldn't be as difficult as it's made out to be because it's no, no, I really don't think it is. And I know it's frustrating sometimes to feel like there's always something that you need to fix. But I think that's just the nature of the world we live in mm -hmm. at the moment anyway, as it exists. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a mess yep. in many ways. So I understand how exhausting it can be to come up against being told you're using the, the wrong language or you're not doing enough or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. But like, I th like you just said, I think it's about, OK, take a breath, mm -hmm. take that on board and chip away where you can. Mm -hmm. And realise you can't fix everything all at once in yep. one go. Um, but there are steps you can take. Mm -hmm. um, I was very, very fortunate last year because I got to go to New Zealand um, on a playwriting residency, which is one of those things that I've just smiled as I'm saying yeah. it because I can't help but going like, <laughs> I know that was really lucky. It looked amazing. <laughs> it, like, just one of those jobs that you get that you go, I, I can't, like, I don't, I can't believe it. There's nothing else I can say yeah. apart from going, it's amazing. <laughs> um, and I just, like, that, that was, like, my childhood dream was to go to New Zealand. Um, a pal oh. of my, my dad's uh, had um, had emigrated there, um, and he used to send us a calendar every year, so I grew oh. up with a calendar of New Zealand on my kitchen wall oh. going, 
one day amazing place <laughs> so I, I got to go got to, to meet Jim whilst I was oh, out there and he gave lovely. me like all these photos of my dad like it was so nice <laughs> um, and but yeah when I was out there I, because it was primarily for work and I was hosted by a theatre company and a like it was, it was really great to see um, a different scene, as it were. And um, in New Zealand, the very active conversation is about representation of Maori voices, mm. and cultural appropriation is is you know something that's having to be discussed constantly. But there's this, what I just really took on board when I was out there was the fact that, like, across the board, it seems that everyone in theatre is making an effort to, for example, learn Te Reo Māori. Mm. And so I was going to theatre buildings and you would have the artistic director coming out and doing an introduction in Te Reo Māori. Wow. And, and again, I kind of go, well, what's the equivalent of that here? Mm. Are we going to have the head of theatre buildings coming out and delivering a welcome in Gaelic or Scots? or? And it, I, I think mean, it's all... That would be, a, I, that would be a, an amazing step. It would yeah. be something. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. But also, does, like, that feels like something like hugely achievable and yeah. relatively small that would, particularly in New Zealand, make people oh, feel yeah. instantly more included. Yeah. And yeah. like that was a space that they were welcome in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's really clever. Like, and it's just like, I, I loved, loved the scene out, out in New Zealand. I, I really did. And I loved the active conversations that were happening. And again, like, I, I, I'd never, even though I've used the words cultural appropriation, sometimes I think you can use terms and then, but not necessarily fully understand what you're talking about. Mm. Do, do you know what I mean when yeah. I say that? I, I had this, I think, for years that I I'd, would probably use the words like queer theatre and not actually really know what I was referring to yeah I think it's very easy sometimes in the theatre industry to just you're so surrounded by certain words that you go yes I know what I'm talking about yeah no I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> I need to actually go yeah. away have a think ask ask people yeah. um yeah so like a real a uh, focus on understanding what lines you are telling a story through mm. um and uh, and it was absolutely fascinating to to be a part of that conversation, to witness conversation, but then also because I was writing a play that was about uh, New Zealand as a whole and I was particularly looking at, I suppose, a people and a land in a way. And mm. there was, there's a, like, in terms of Scotland, the clearances and in New Zealand, looking at the fact that so many Maori people were moved from their lands, their lands stolen and, mm. you know, uh, language, um, minority languages. Um, and embarking on these great conversations going what stories do i have the right to tell mm-hmm. because it actually i don't i don't own any maori stories they're not my stories yeah but what i can do is have active conversations with folk whilst i'm out there and absolutely carry an awareness over going this is my lens i'm telling the story through mm-hmm. and yeah being respectful but also just trying to constantly go i am learning yeah i'm trying to to learn and uh, and I do think, I don't know, I, I don't know how much in Scotland we are taking those steps always to keep learning, keep learning. and growing yeah. and going, actually, that, that, I mean, that just the example I said there, like, I, I can never imagine a day over a, a welcome in Scotland not being spoken in English, mm-hmm. you, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you go, well, why is that so difficult to imagine? I don't know, but it is. Yeah, because yeah, nobody's, nobody's just started doing it. Um, yeah. 
and I think it's just the case of like making that change mm. in recognition of of the society and the makeup of that society that you exist in. Just make mm -hmm. the change and start doing it, yeah. and then it'll be hard, less hard to imagine. Yeah, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm being overly simplistic. But I don't idea know. Of like, well, what, what, just try it. Just do it. My, my <laughs> pal Anya in New Zealand. She just whenever we we whenever we had conversations about um, change, she'd always just be like, "It's really simple. Some people just need to get out of the way." Get out of the way. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> just get out of the way. Get out of the way. I do love that. Yeah. I think it, I, can't, I can't remember who it was I was talking to, but they had said much the same thing, and it was like just look at who's not at the table and then get out of your seat and like mm -hmm. give your seat up for a bit to yeah. someone who's not at that table and who or who has never been at that table. Mm -hmm. um, again, I just don't think that that should be that hard. Mm. Um, but then there's, also, there's obviously a lot of power at play and power dynamics at play, sorry. And, you know, people, it's hard for people to give up their spot if in their mind they've perceived it. Yeah, right. yeah, it's power is very dangerous. Mm. But I, I do always come back to overgoing the idea of um, trying to take some responsibility for uh, for using any voice you've got in a mm -hmm. positive way. Yeah. Um, but then also knowing when to step aside. Yeah. You know. I, I think, it, and, and I do understand that for a long time, particularly in our industry, that's been hard because people are just scrabbling for the bits that they can get, and mm. if you have been trying really, really hard to carve out what tiny little place you do have for yourself. Yeah. It is hard to step aside when an opportunity comes along that might be better going to someone else. Mm -hmm. But I think that I, I, I don't think those are particularly big sacrifices to make for mm. the greater good, as it were. Yeah. But I do understand. Yeah. That it's also hard. Yeah. And I think there's, again, the... There's that issue as well, I suppose, like, like we were talking about, like, class mm. as an issue earlier. And you, I suppose it's people, when people talk about, like, writing a class play. Yeah. And I don't know why you always go, but, like, it's the same thing. Nobody really sits at a table and goes, we should have a middle class play. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's something about going, the working class play. That, yeah. that it makes you kind of go, oh... Poverty poor, and we're gonna start talking about like the poor people. Yeah, and I don't know. I like I, there's so many steps I think still missing in this whole process. That you go, like, when does it get to be? You know that your your play just is your play. Yes, yeah. uh, that it's just about people. Yeah, and rather than it having to go, uh, rather put my teeth back. <laughs> rather than it having to be, it is about. Yeah, class. I, I I don't know. It's. Um... I also think there's something in like, well, rather than go, let's have a play about the working class, whatever the mm -hmm. hell that means or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Would it not be better to go right? What are the barriers at the moment to people either attending a workshop in our theatre mm -hmm. or is this too expensive or is this at the wrong time of day yep. because actually mm -hmm. people who have yep. bills to pay and, and childcare duties or, yep. or whatever the million things that might be going on mm -hmm. can't come because yeah yeah because and we've not thought about that always going to be a barrier yeah. yeah so allow people from backgrounds that don't normally find their way into theatre mm -hmm. buildings take try and invest interrogate where those barriers are and break mm -hmm. them down so that 
what you get is not somebody who's writing a play about class, but somebody from a working class background writing a play. Commission. If you commission yeah, a working class writer, you're going to get a working class play because you that. Yeah. You know, I mean, like that's it, it's not rocket science. You know, that's just that's just what's going to happen. Yeah, that's the lens. And, but then also, even if you go like when you go broader than that, you go the, like again, not everyone who's working class has different experiences, mm-hmm. and you know, the most of what I'm writing about is very much rural working class lives, which is going to be totally different to someone who's grown up like in our Glasgow. Yeah, that's totally different life experiences, and what we can't do is which. We do a lot in diverse programming, which is to go, okay, here's our place about play about <laughs> class. Here's our play about woman. Check. Check. Okay. Check. Yeah. Okay, now we can get back to the cis white man we yep, had. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we've we've things I've got to say. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, I don't know, like you just start going at some point, this is boring. This yeah. is actually like And it is. Yeah. It's really boring. It's tedious. Because again, it's it's not Partly, it's not it's not truthful, and I know that sounds like a bit of a wanky thing to say, but authenticity is what makes mm-hmm. things interesting. Because it's like, well, that's it's not cosmetic mm-hmm. diversity. I can see it's it's a real thing and it's a real mm-hmm. story, and it's I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, no, think I think I'm getting so. into ramble mode here because oh, like, absolutely. I'm know. raging now. No, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but people like so many theorists as well talk about uh, about their audiences and about attracting audiences and like. You, again, you, you kind of go well. If you only show a very particular play, well, you're you're not going to have an impact because you you go well. I, you don't. It's only so long that you can go without seeing something that you can like catch on to on stage. That yeah. uh, like it just has to has to be more interesting than that. And like, w- what working class person is going to you know invest three hours of of their wage to go see a show that's about middle class folk every single like what yeah why would you <laughs> you're not going why to. would you no i don't like yeah because also that like three hours of your wage and also three hours of your time which you probably mm-hmm. if you do have going spare it's not going to go to the theater mm-hmm. um and that's a shame but there's not enough of a compelling reason yeah yeah um um, I think you and the absolute star, the Tishilpa. <laughs> such a fan as well. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, you and Shilpa were talking about, um, I think, was it about, like, oh, the we pavilion were... and... Yes, that's true. And, like, yes. nights out. And, like, uh-huh. being able to go, right, if you're going to invest your money in a night, make it a night out. Yep. Like... Make it worth your while because actually, you know, that's your night out for the week 100%. or the fortnight or the month or whatever. Like, yeah. And uh, I wanted to see Celtic the musical actually, and I didn't. Um, but I was fascinated to see what the audiences were going to be like for that. Uh, it was amazing. Yeah, I bet it was. I saw stuff mm-hmm. on social media, and it looked like a total Rammy in mm-hmm. the best possible way. Uh, <laughs> Because yeah. my dad's a huge Celtic fan and a huge Rod Stewart fan, by the way, so he's going ah. to love your anecdote. Right. Yep. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I was going to take him, but we just couldn't make it work um, scheduling-wise. Uh, so if that comes back, do let me know. But my point was... <laughs> I, yeah. Was that, uh, yeah, I was fascinated to see... Because that's 
guaranteed not going to be your usual theatre going audience or what or whatever we perceive to be the, the uh, normal theatre going audience yeah I um, just I loved it like honestly I felt like a bit of a rock star <laughs> and because also, I mean I, I'm I'm singing a lot of the the songs in it so you start like singing a line and then the entire audience joins in and that you know, that's what I mean about feeling like a rock star that you're yeah. like ah <laughs> everyone's singing with me that's cool <laughs> um but it's, good, but it's just, again, folk looking for a good night out. Mm -hmm. Have and a good night. And I, I think it's really easy. We forget that a lot of the time mm -hmm. in theatre, I think, that what does it mean to have a good night out? Mm -hmm. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's... Shilpa and I were talking about, because I think the pavilion's a brilliant thing. Like, I don't go there very often. And mm -hmm. it's partly because, well... When I do go to the theatre, when I have got the money to spend on theatre tickets, I'm I'm going to the things at the Tron and the things at the Traverse yeah. because I'm guilty of being the, like, oh, I have to go see that because that mm -hmm. is what <clears throat> I need to be seeing to be part of the gang of yeah. of theatre people so that I can contribute to those conversations. It, it feels like part of my job, yeah. which yeah. is not in any way, like, say that I'm not enjoying it. I'm enjoying those mm -hmm. experiences, but yeah, so, like, I... And also, truthfully, things like menopause and musical and stuff like that are not my cup of tea. <laughs> um, but I Personally, love it. I think I would love it. So, <laughs> just say. Um, but I love the pavilion, and I love that it exists, and I think it's mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant. And they are, from what I understand, pretty busy mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, in a way that other theatres could only mm -hmm. dream of being. Yeah. Um, so there is something. Um, and I think Shilps and I talked about that. There's something that they're doing that other theatres yeah. could learn from. Mm -hmm. And it is probably just that, like, understanding who their audience are. Yeah. Um, but, again, and being able to remove a little bit of snobbery mm -hmm. in that as well. And because I think, again, attitudes are going, what? What is this place? You yeah. know, and you go, well, actually, let's remove the snobbery a wee bit mm -hmm. because they are selling out yeah. a million times more than you are. So yeah. let's have a conversation about that. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, there's so much snobbery mm -hmm. in all of it. Yeah. And it drives me mental. Because mm -hmm. um, I feel like we're so often performing versions of ourselves because oh, yeah. we have to play into it a little bit. And it makes me a wee bit queasy. Yeah. For a long, long time, I found it... I still find it difficult because I'm socially awkward to force myself into rooms for the benefit of getting somewhere in my career. Uh, but I hated it a lot more when I I was playing at it, you know, that, that performed idea of, of adhering to these snobby things. And it's just gotten so much easier since I started giving less of a fuck. <laughs> I think that applies to life, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. uh, it just got to the uh, I was like, oh, it's, do you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And mm -hmm. I think actually, interestingly enough, it's gotten better, like... Once mm -hmm. I started just being myself and not worrying about that as much. But that in itself is is breaking through a bit as well because, I, like, again, I think about when I was down in London and, like, going for... Like, so I was a... The Royal Court used to do a rep scheme, so it meant you got free tickets to see their shows. And then... Um, but on the basis that afterwards you would go on social media and, you know, say, right. I saw this great show, here's a discount code. Okay. But it was great because, you know, got to see everything at the Royal Court for free. Um, but going for a drink with some of the other reps and sat at a table, part of a conversation, that all of us, I was sat there going, I actually don't understand a single word that anyone is saying. And I think the conversation was about like, the classics. 
I don't know. Um, but that way that... Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm going, I, I just... I just know, but also, like, I, I've just... I've fought for so long that idea of the, the shame inside myself that mm-hmm. I am not uh, educated enough, I am not well-spoken enough, mm-hmm. I am not enough, full stop. And, and like, it, learning, I suppose, learning to question has been a big thing for me to actually go, do you know what, I'm okay to say, I don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't understand what that word is. Yeah. Um, and, I, and again, I'm someone who... I've got the slight oddity about me that because I grew up reading quite often, there's a lot of words that I use that I only recognise them on paper. Right. Because I've only ever you've never <laughs> read them or written them. Yeah. So it's a, And it's, you know, there's like, a few opportunities to speak certain words as well, like, yeah. if that makes sense, like, they're... Yeah. What, what situation would you have been in to use... Mm-hmm you know, this list of words that you've you've seen written down or you've read. Yeah. Um, it was when I started to get more sure of myself in, in those mm-hmm. moments and going, <laughs> scary what you're on about, I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. If they, if people react in a way anything other than, oh, I'm sorry, or, or you know, aren't, aren't le- anything less than generous in response, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, well, you're a bit of a dick. <laughs> I don't really want to <laughs> hang out with you anymore. <laughs> I'm just like yeah. in my old age I think I'm getting a wee bit more ruthless in that respect like I'm just getting to the moment oh I see you now you've nailed your colours to the wall that's it that's it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it's it's really important I think to be able to put your hand up mm-hmm. and to go excuse me yeah. Or, yeah and I suppose it's like learning like when I again when I was at drama school I, I think maybe well of course when you put 20 actors together and there's a lot of loud voices mm. and in that like I, I can you know be as loud as the next person at certain times but in that environment I am the quiet one you know yeah. and a, just kind of going kind of more inward and into myself mm. and um, realising like the moments that you go actually you probably should take us step forward and say something mm-hmm. because even though there's lots of loud voices in this room those loud voices aren't always listening yeah they're just shouting over each other and y- what do you do then do you sit back or do you go actually i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> try try to say something, try to say something <laughs> yeah and yeah I, I think it is i think you try and say something but it, it's it's recognizing that that's not always mm-hmm. easy mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. and a lot of falling down and getting back uh, up again uh, and perseverance to get to that yeah. point where you might be that person who's able to go, oh, right, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking now because this is just hot nonsense. Um, yeah. <laughs> or more like I, what, me with probably a stutter being like, but, but I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> because I do get really nervous in those situations still. Yeah. It's like when you're sat in a circle at these meetings and they go around and you've got to <sighs> see your name and who you are and, you know, it's like six people before you and you tune out because you're going okay it's it's come five people it's coming up to me next just say just say your name and then you're almost going like oh, what's my name like, yeah. what uh, um, hi i'm like i don't understand why that's such a big deal to do but that, no I, and that's actually my idea of hell like if there was a hell that would be it for me it would just be constantly going into rooms and being in that circle all right we're just mm-hmm. going to go around and say a few things about ourselves like the, on a loop permanently that would uh, be my <laughs> yep i think that would be mine as well so at least i could join you there. 
<laughs> like, no, you go. I know. No, you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Definitely. Talking in public like that when it's not rehearsed. I love it like this. It's yeah. scary. <laughs> Shouldn't be scary. Yeah. Maybe I should um, have made it less formal. And we should have done it in the pub. With We're wine. in a conference room. <laughs> in a conference room, yes. <laughs> Which was really not by design. It wasn't meant to be his conferency <laughs> feeling. It was just a room that's available. Yeah. Um, so Lost in Sea is coming up soon, isn't it? Yes, it opens uh, 27th of April in so Perth. And then it tours Scotland. Uh, aye. I'm so excited to see it. I'm really aye, looking forward to seeing it. So am I. In that way that I, I suppose because it's been so many years in the making. And mm. this, is, this, is, this is my life yeah. purpose. My life goal, you, you know, and the the fact it's taken so long and that journey has been so many knockbacks along the way and every time it felt like, you know, it was going to be on in 2015 and then it wasn't because we didn't get funding and then it was going to be on this year and because it it is such a such a big cast, it's such mm-hmm. a big story. So my first plane, I wrote like a 10-hander that was, <laughs> you know, two and a quarter hours long because nobody had... Uh, like actually got into my brain enough by that point to go think small you know, so nah. I just wrote the play I wanted to write yeah. instead of going okay we'll only get funded to do a two hand or a, I'm um, so happy you didn't have that voice in your head I, at that time like so I do you know there's a part of me that goes I really respect who I was at the time just going I'm, I'm going to do this but also doing things like why not right mm-hmm. this is the story I want to tell so why not write it for a big cast and make it a full length play yeah. Um Aye, but there's been a lot, a lot of knockbacks. I have cried a lot, a lot. Um, uh, Mike Griffiths, who's mm-hmm. um, at Perth now, um, was uh, the development producer for, on it for the last couple of years. And poor Mike, he's the loveliest... He's a lovely man. Loveliest <laughs> man ever. Has had to, I think, about three times phone me with bad news that, you know, we've lost this bit of funding <sighs> or this thing has dropped out. And I have cried on the phone to Mike. One of them was when I was... I was out in Iceland. I've been really lucky with some work gigs. <laughs> I was doing a work gig in Iceland of all places. Um, this is where the moments that I have to go now, I have to start checking my privilege on things like this because I go, there's moments like, I've got to work in Iceland that you're like, ah. Uh, but you are also allowed to enjoy that. Aye. Um, but yeah, so Mike phoned me when I was at the airport in uh, Iceland about phone home to say that we hadn't got the funding at that stage and I sat in the toilets in Iceland and just cried <laughs> like on the phone to him for about half an hour so oh, um, bless him aye um but he he's just he's been so supportive during this so and he, again just someone who was like this this is what this is worth us putting the effort in for like we mm-hmm. need to find a way to make this happen because this is like who is making big work at the moment how do we do this and I think he liked the challenge of that mm-hmm. at the minute yeah. Uh, at the time. Um, yeah. I so think it's, it's brilliant because nobody... Everybody feels... And I, I, I'm basing this purely on being pals with a lot of theatre makers and playwrights. Everybody feels like they're limited to what... Creatively limited to what is likely to actually mm-hmm. happen for them. <clears throat> so write the two-hander because... The two or three-hander because Autumn Moore will be able to programme it or write yeah. like this because you won't get funding for anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's absolutely, it's so inspirational and brilliant mm-hmm. that you have gone on that journey and thank you. And now it's happening and I'm thrilled for you and I can't not wait to see it. Thank you, but it has um, been exhausting. <laughs> like, and I mean, in the way that I like, I have think I I th- genuinely think I've danced on like the edge of burnout for a long time with going. 
how do I make this happen? Yeah. How do I make this happen? Um, so yeah, I wonder if on like the day after opening night, if that, if that would just be in bed. <laughs> Kill over. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see it. And I'm, I'm so excited to be working with Ian Brown. Mm. Like that for me is one of those, uh, like, uh, do, do, do you know, Ian, Ian Brown used to be a artistic director of the Traverse before Philip Howard. Right. So he's the one who moved the building to the new Traverse. Right. <clears throat> Um, and he's a, he represents that kind of period in Scottish theatre. I think that like has a lot of plays in it that I loved or mm -hmm. would call them like inspiration for things. Like he directed the original Bondagers, right? Okay. Um, and brought through wow. like you know how many uh, amazing playwrights. Um, and I'm so excited that he's he's uh, coming back up to Scotland to do this one. Oh, and the reason I thought that he's like, just <laughs> when when the conversation um, had been about Ian directing the play. And I had a first chat with him. The thing I loved was he was like, can I please come to your village? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so it really was like kind of a theatre blind date in a way because I took him round to my Auntie Stella's house. Um, <laughs> Auntie Stella, like, Auntie Auntie Stella. Stella's like kind of like <laughs> infamous in, in theatre. She's amazing. <laughs> um, like, and she's like, she's got a proper deep, like deep Doric voice as well. Um, she's cracking. Um, <laughs> She, she just phones me so much. I'm so proud of you, my queen. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. She, she listens to this, she's going to be more. She's like, I didn't talk like that. Well, you did. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> so Ian came round to Auntie Stella's uh, for his dinner, which is lunch, mm. uh, where I'm from. Uh, and he had macaroni. She made macaroni. And the two of them just got on like a house on fire. And it was just, it was just great. It was one of those moments oh. that was like... This is, this is a beautiful, just like crossover of worlds, you yeah. know. And Ian was a Traverse and then West Yorkshire Playhouse and is director for like the RSC mm. and all those things. And he's up just having a blether with Manti Stella about whether he might be the right person to direct this play. <sighs> That's so lovely. And I was just like, well, you are. <laughs> you, you, like right now, like that's yeah, that's what, some you this know. act, this thing right now that's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and somebody who goes. So I don't, I don't know this world as well, but I'd like it if you would show me. Yeah. So another, oh. another good egg. That's I'm very excited about working with him. That's really exciting. Yay! And what night will Auntie Stella be going? Auntie Stella will be going to Inverness. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. I feel like it might be worth making the trip to meet Auntie Stella because she oh, sounds would. brilliant. <laughs> I would love her. Love her. She's quite like, so she came, uh, so she's been to see, I was in Sunset Song a couple of years ago, she came to see that and hung out with the cast a wee bit. Um, netting, she came to see that, hung out. Oh, she had the netting girls round for supper one night, <laughs> <laughs> which is me, Caroline uh, Crawford and Sarah McCarty all went round. Uh, that's brilliant. That sounds like quite the night. Like, she's <laughs> massively well-connected now, Auntie Stella. Do you know what I mean? Like, I... Oh, it's great. I said to... Um, I, I met Fiona Hislop at a, a, one of those FST parties one yeah. night and, and talking about where I was from. Um, and she was like, oh, I've been there. I've walked down the beach. And then we went to this um, cafe and had chips. And I was like, my Auntie Stella maybe served you. She was just like... The famous Auntie Stella. Okay. Uh, Auntie Stella uh, probably served chips to Fiona Hassel. So, Brilliant. Well connected. <laughs> um, aye. She would love you. Oh, well, I'll, She'd put I her would... arms around you and just be like, 
fine to meet you, my queen. <laughs> and you would just feel a wee bit better about everything. Oh, you know? She sounds amazing. I feel like I want her here right now. I could do that right now. Aye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to round up the podcast this afternoon, I have been asking this of a few podcast guests <laughs> um, to give me your hope for the future. And that can be broad. It can be... Yeah. It can be a tiny <laughs> thing. It could be a big blue sky big picture thing yeah. it can be whatever you would like to see happen I'd hope for the future in terms of theatre let's do one for theatre and one for the world oh because the world one. Oh, <laughs> oh. Um, I think my hope for theatre is that people stop listen and respond I hope that the, the cultural gatekeepers that are making decisions right now will will actually be proactive in taking steps because there's a lot of us looking over at those folk going, come on. And um, I just hope to, on a really basic level, I really just hope to see work that is as diverse as the world that we live in and voices that are unheard mm -hmm. that deserve a place on the stage because those stories are living all around us and they're exciting and, and yeah, show me what I haven't seen before. Um, I have a lot of hope for the future. <laughs> good. Um, Having a lot of hope for the future is a good place to be. I have a lot of rambling hope for the future, as I think you just heard. Um, rambling hope would be a good name for a folk band. Rambling. Aye. Rambling hope. Hope. I forgot the name I just said there. <laughs> rambling folk. Hope. Hope. Yes. <laughs> and if you want to leave it there, that is totally fine. Yeah. Hope for the World is more like a tour podcast yeah, on its I own, so. isn't it? <laughs> Let's all just be better. Let's all just be just better. Just try to be a wee bit better. It was amazing to speak to you, Morna. I could have spoken to you for hours on end. That hour flew by. But I'm really excited that you will be joining us as a panellist on the 25th of June at our next live event. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me today. And I am really looking forward to the 25th. So. We're delighted to have you. Um, you're an absolute joy. I think you're one of theatre's nicest people Aww. and you deserve everything, that you're, all the success that you're having right now. And I would yeah. put that back to you as well. Oh, so are you. Oh, it's been lovely. It has been lovely, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, stay nasty. <laughs> Because, Morna, I could have spoken to you for hours on end. <laughs> that hour flew by. Um, so I'm really excited that we will have you on our panel on our next event. I shall the be there. Yeah, yeah, on the 25th of <laughs> June. <laughs> should we do that again? Or should we, yeah, should we do that again? Especially because I just took a big sip of ginger beer and I was like, I think she's waiting for me to respond. Say something quick. <laughs>